Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. It's great to be with you. My name's Zeke. Uh, if you don't know, I have the privilege of working for Dreaming the Impossible. And I, so I work for Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. But recently, this is top secret that's now not a secret anymore. I've, I've joined the V61 team. I've been seconded from Vineyard Churches for two days a week. Uh, for the next six months. I know it's not long, but I'm, I'm going to be the youth pastor here. And really, guys, if, if we want to be people who raise up a younger generation of resilient disciples, I believe we need to be them ourselves. And so I want to encourage you guys uh, to keep praying like Mary said. Wasn't that amazing from Mary? Get bigger up on the chat. Um, give her a clap here. She's great, great. I think I just said to Mary, she needs to take my notes. She's ready to preach. But um. So I'm excited about continuing this, this journey with us, Romans 5. We're talking about resilient disciples. Earlier this, uh, I think it was last week now, I was meeting with a youth pastor that I mentor. He, he kind of mentors me, really. We hang out. And, um, and uh, he was fully, like, color-coded in his, his, in, in his clothing. He had Nike Air Force Ones. They were white, red, and black. And I'm like, bro, you're fully color-coded today. He goes, I know, Zeke. These are my favorite colors. And he goes, he goes, do you want to know why? I'm like, well, go on, man. Yeah, I, I'm interested. He said, black, because I'm a sinner. We've all sinned. Red, because Jesus died on the cross to save me from sin. And white, because the Bible says I've been washed white as snow. And I was like, wow, that's amazing, bro. I love that. I love that you've like color-coded yourself to the gospel. Um, but I believe as, as we read, as we delve into Romans 5, I don't know if you've read it with your life group this week or read it personally. There's so much theology. There's so much depth that Paul is uh, writing about to inform us who God is and who we've become in Christ. And so I want to delve into that today, who God is and who we've become in Christ. I believe these are two fundamental, uh, important things for us as Christians to take hold of and to believe. Um, and so it's almost like today what we're going to see is we're going to see God's true colors shining through. I think a song's coming on, yeah? I see your true colors. Anyway, we're going to see, we're going to delve in. And so um, I've got five things that, that I believe is clear from this passage that we can know and understand about God. So five things. Guys, I want to encourage you. Um, I've, I've not provided loads of scripture today. I'm going to share loads of scripture. I want to encourage you to get your Bibles open, grab your notepads or turn on your notes on your phone. Um, every time someone preaches at this church, whether I like them or not, no, that's a joke, big joke. Um, I always take notes because I know that they've poured energy and time and, and I can glean something from the truth and the revelation. So I pray, my prayer today for you guys listening is that this would not be information but revelation in the name of Jesus. Good, amen. So here we go. The first thing we can, we can know about God that we learn from Romans 5 is faith is God's love language. Number one, faith is God's love language. Um, Gary Chapman, he wrote a book, Chapman, he wrote a book, Five Love Languages. Anyone read it? 
Tell us if you've read it in the chat. His theory is that, that we express as human beings, we express love and we receive love in five different ways. Uh, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service and gifts. If you, if you want to get to know me, know my love languages, it's quality time. So if you ever want to hang out, clear your diary. I'm into quality time. That's my thing. That's my thing. But, but my theory is that God has, he, ha, he has his love, the way he receives and the way he gives love. Is, he, he loves it when we have faith. He loves it when we have faith. God is excited about your faith. He's excited about my faith. Just turn to Romans 5, the first two verses here. And you'll see by faith is, is, is clearly here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so it's our faith that justifies us, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It's by faith. That's how we please God. That's how, God, that's how we show God that we love Him. It's, it, faith is, his, is God's love language. And, and you can just look at, if you turn to Hebrews 11, why don't you write Hebrews 11 down? It, the title of that whole chapter is By Faith. It just runs through men and women of the Bible throughout history that lived by faith and it pleased God. You see, Hebrews 11, 6 says it's impossible, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We cannot please God without faith. And then it goes on to say, because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists. So that's an act of faith, faith, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, the fact that you believe there's a God, that's faith, that's pleasing to him. And as you pursue him and earnestly seek him, you're living out in faith. You're pleasing God. And this is it's what, faith is God's love language. Number two, God is peace. He's not into peace. He's not a little bit of peace. God is peace. It's, it's a way we would Peace is such a gift. Wouldn't you agree? We look at the world today. Man, it's, it's, it's in turmoil. You can, we, we live in an anxious world. So many people are restless and without peace. It's easy to be worried about what's going on around the world with COVID, how we've been impacted. Look at India with the rates of death. And, and people getting COVID, getting higher and higher. And there's just all this fear. You will have seen on the news all that's been going on in India between the Palestinians and the Israelis. This has been a conflict that's been going on for many years, but it's heated right now. And you know, God, only God can bring peace because that's what he is. I love in Romans 5, we pick up this. He says in Romans 5, verse, two, verse 1, he says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's something that we have because God is peace. Have you ever received his peace? Do you, is his peace living in you right now? I know personally there's signs in my life when I don't have peace. I, I just won't be sleeping and when I can't sleep, I often have to quote that scripture. God gives uh, sleep to those he loves. I need to rest in his peace so they can re- receive, receive uh, you know, end up sleeping. I spend extra time on my phone. I end up eating for the sake of it. I know it doesn't show, but it's, it's, it's what I, I know when I don't have peace, I'm, I'm searching for something. 
I worry about the future. These kind of things. They're signs that I don't have peace. But John 14, 27, I'd encourage you to write that down. It's such a key verse for us in this time. Jesus said this. He said, peace I give to you. He said, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled troubled, and do not be afraid. You see, Jesus, because he is peace, because God is peace, he has the authority to give us peace. And he is the, he's the author and the perfecter of what peace even is. And so Jesus is saying, I give you peace. It's a gift. And this, this word peace that's found in this passage in John and in Romans 1 is not just like... In, in English, we usually have these words, peace, and it's not really a fully full meaning in our English language, but peace in, in the Hebrew means shalom. You will have heard this. So if you were, if you were walking around in Israel today, you'd hear, hear the Jews saying to one another, shalom, it's a blessing. And it means peace, like the peace of God, not just like, oh, peace, man, have a good day. It's like the, everything in your life be well. Everything in relationship with you and God be well, be made whole, be, be completely right. Isn't that amazing? Well, I want, I want the peace of God in my life. I want his shalom. And so I just bless you this morning with, with shalom. Be, be, be shalomed in Jesus' name. Uh, number three, God works through our suffering. Didn't, didn't Alexander do an incredible job last week talking, sharing from his own life the suffering him and his family's been through crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Thank you, Alexander, for sharing all of those thoughts. I love what you said. He said this, what is suffering teaching you today? What a great question. You see, so many people ask this same question. If God's real, why is there suffering in the world? But I believe Paul, he, he shed some light on this in Romans 5. Just want to read 3 again. And we read it last week, verses 3 to 4. Um, you can track with me if you want. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, who has been given to us. I love that. I love that. You see, you see, this is an incredible promise. It's an incredible promise that, that suffering actually produces something. Suffering always produces something. This quote, I, I read it this week and it blew my mind. It just puts things into perspective. One of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, if you like him, you'll know something fresh and amazing is coming. This is what he said about suffering. I suggest to you that it's because God loves us that he gives us the gift of suffering. Wow. He gives us the gift of suffering because he loves us. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves and the forms of men. The blows of his chisel, which hurt us so much are what make us perfect. I want to put it to you that you are becoming more perfect, more like Christ, more like God intended for you because of your suffering. You see, whether it's what you've, whether you've suffered your past, present or future, suffering right now is producing something in you. And I can reflect on my life. 
years struggling with different things growing up, whether it was eczema, whether it was family issues, whether it was um, my mum who suffered with, with depression and cancer young, at a young age. All these things that were happening, they shaped and molded my character. And God was producing something and he's producing something through your suffering. Remember, God works through suffering. And guys, God knows suffering. Jesus was, Isaiah says, he was a man acquainted with suffering. He knew suffering. Just look at the cross. I'd encourage you, if you're going through a hard time, Ra, remember what Jesus went through. It's a sign of, 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 um, of, of the work of suffering in our lives. Number four, number four, love is God's motivation. Love is God's motivation. Jesus' death and resurrection are a picture of God's love for us. I love Romans 8, you can, you, Romans 5, 8. You can turn to it. It says this, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So at the point where we were actually, while we were, if you read a bit further on in verse 10, it says, While we were enemies with God, while we we're actually willfully rejecting God, he's like, Yeah, it's now time for Jesus to step in. While we hated him, while we uh, rejected him. Because God's motivation is love, guys. He's motivated by love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 1 John 3.16 says that this is how we know what love is. That Christ laid down his life for us. Guys, if you don't believe God loves you, you need to take hold of that today. Just read through the scriptures. Understand the gospel. He loves you. He loves you so much. He sent Jesus. Jesus is the picture like we see in these passages. Number five, grace is God's way into life. We want to have life. We've got to live by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. We've received it. It's a gift. It's unconditional love. Grace is not getting what you deserve. And, and the Bible says that as sinners, we deserve death. You read through this passage from, 12, from Romans 5:12 onwards. It's talking about Adam. In Adam, we all sinned. Um, you know, it's, it, we're born into sin because of Adam. But, one, but Jesus came to free us from sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is exempt. We've all sinned. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. This is, this is, so what do we get for sin? We get death. Our wages, our, our pay, our earning for sin is death. But Jesus made a way. You see, guys, the Christian life is not karma. You hear people say karma like, like they really believe it. You know, do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's what karma is. You're nasty to people. Don't worry. One day, nastiness will come back. But as Christians, we believe in grace. It's more like this. It's like do good because of grace. We only really do good because grace has been given to us as a gift. Do bad fall back on grace. If you're, if you're stuck, forget karma. That's right. That doesn't help people. Grace is what helps people. Grace is Christ's hand 
reaching out to you, saying, hey, I've paid the price, don't worry. Move away from a life of sin. We don't try to get to get good things. We don't try to get into God good books. We fall back into his grace. I've learned to just live in the constant armchair of God's grace. It's a very comfortable place. It's the place we want to be. Okay, that's God. We've lifted our eyes to God. We've thought about who he is and what, what, what makes him who he is. What about five things we can learn from this passage about who we've become in Christ? Very important, your identity. Where is your identity today? If it's not in Christ, it's going to be other things. Number one, we're justified. Can someone write in the chat, I'm justified. Someone shout, we've got a few Americans in the room, justified. Um, I just felt the need to do that. Um, One day, and this is a sobering thought, guys. I've thought about this this week as I've been reading this passage. One day, the Bible says we will be judged. We will stand on the, the, the Bible talks about the day of judgment. We'll stand before God, who is the only righteous judge. he's, He's totally right. And we'll stand before him. And as a Christian, we need to never forget that, that to, to have, we don't need to have fear. Because that, on that day, we will, those, who, those who have put their trust and their faith in Jesus, the death and resurrection of, of, of Jesus Christ, we, we, personally, we will stand justified. We will be justified Justification is like a legal term. It's like whether things are right or wrong and we will be justified. We'll stand before God as the judge and our sinful past will have been erased, wiped clean, covered by by Jesus' blood. And that's not just our future. We have been justified. We stand today before God justified. You're justified. And I love this little phrase, justified. Break it down. Just as if I'd never sinned. Wow. Just receive that right now. That God, when you repent, when you turn away from your life and say, Jesus, I need your help. Thank you for your death and resurrection on the cross. I believe it. I take hold of it. In an instant, you're free. You're justified. You're you're seen. You're looked upon as, as if you'd never sinned. That's good news, guys. That's who you are. We are justified. Number two, we're declared righteous. When we put our faith and hope in Jesus, what he did on the cross and through the death and resurrection, we're made righteous. Righteousness, these big theological words, we got justified just as if we'd never sinned. Righteousness in right standing with God. You're in right standing with God. Just look at Romans 5. 19, I love this. It says this, For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, and you can get that from earlier on, the many were made sinners. But by one man's obedience, the many, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. We will be made righteous and we've been made righteous. So guys, I, I, I have to say this. If you're not right with God, One day you'll stand before him. I want to encourage you to get right with God. Don't wait till your deathbed. Don't wait till like things get sorted out. Get right with him today. I know that as a teenager, when I wasn't right with God, it was was actually deep down a, a, a real pain, a fear, because no one wants to be not right with God. And it's the best thing you can do is to receive 
his righteousness and be put in right relationship with him. Don't let things eat you up inside if you need to do what you need to do. Number three, we are loved beyond measure. Tim Keller, Phil said it when we started our series, when he, when he teed us up really well. Thanks, Phil. Um, he said this, Timothy Keller, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's, that's powerful, guys. That's powerful. God loves you. You're more loved. And, and if you don't believe that, you, I, I want to encourage you, don't stay in that place. If you, if you struggle with thoughts about yourself, uh, how, what you think of yourself, your appearance, your life, what it's turned out to be, any of that stuff. Guys, I, I'll be honest, you can't stay in that place. Come out of that place and receive the truth. This is truth over your life. God loves you. He loves you more than you could know. But are you convinced of that? Are you sure about that? One of the things I do most mornings as I have my shower, I just thank you, Jesus, that you've washed me white as snow. I'm just praying this. I'd encourage you to get, get like uh, truth and just speak it out. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm right with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Because you love me, I can love others. Just say these kind of things. This is truth that is so important to speak over our lives. We can't afford to be dwelling on anything other than truth. And this is an amazing message. We all need to know this. The world needs to know this. Four, we're coming on to the home stretch. I know this has been a lot of points, but I pray that this would be truth for you to chew on this week and to get into your spirit and be blessed. Number four, we are re- this is a mouthful. We are reconciled with God and called to the ministry of reconciliation. Whoa. That's a heck of a lot of Christianese right there. But we are, we are wrecked. This is what Paul is saying. We've been made right with God. Justification was a legal term. Reconciliation is a language of friendship. God wants to be our friends. Jesus said, I call you friends. He said that to his disciples. To be reconciled is to be made into, put into a right relationship. Hey, how many of you listening hate falling out with people? Yeah? Any peacemakers in the room? You hate it. You just hate it. Years ago, and this is like over a decade ago, I, 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 just, I lost relationship with my sister. And growing up, we were like best friends. We were so close. And, and things had happened in her life. And I'd moved to England and, and my parents' marriage was breaking up and it was complicated and her life wasn't easy. And she just didn't want to talk to me. And it, it was months and it tore me up inside. I hated it. Um, but we managed through different ways after months and months to actually have a conversation and we were reconciled and we were made right. And it was the best feeling. You see, we're made to be right with God and we're made to be right with others. God does, just doesn't want to just reconcile us to himself. He wants to reconcile us to one another and call us to the ministry of reconciliation. It's actually a ministry to help put relationships back together. That's what we're about. We're about reconciliation. And if we look at the world, I said this earlier, 
you can see that it's broken. Just turn on the news and you'll see a, just a deluge of, of like broken relationships, whether it's between individuals, families, people groups, racial divides, world leaders, nations, and it breaks God's heart because he's the great reconciler and he longs for us to be right with him and right with others. You see, as Christians, we're to pursue and believe for reconciliation. Guys, let's pray for Israel. I don't think we need to pray for a side. Just pray for people. Just pray for the Palestinians. Pray for the Israelis that God would soften their heart and there'd be a reconciliation in relationship. Pray for those nations around the world and people groups that are struggling. You see, God is in the business of reconciling relationships, one person and one life at a time. And so, I, again, this is another challenge, and I say this to myself and anyone watching. If you have a relationship in your life that is not reconciled and you can do something about it, I'd, I'd encourage you, please pursue reconciliation. Please pursue reconciliation, whether it's a family member, an old friend, someone from this church or another church that you've fallen out with, I don't know, work colleague, a neighbor, someone from another race, someone from another gender, someone, even, even God. Whatever it is, I want, I want to I just do it today. Phone them up. Phone them up. Connect with them. Do whatever you need to do. And some of you will be like, Zeke, I've had a conflict with a family member for, for decades. Guys, I believe in a God who can reconcile relationships. And number five, and I finish with this, we are people of eternal hope. We're people of eternal hope. Hope is this word that we can often never get our head theory or just something that the Holy Spirit gave to me this week. In this life, we'll have hopes that won't come true. I'm sorry, I just hate it to break it to you, but you'll have dreams and hopes that won't become a reality. Some, many will, but some won't. And you'll be left you know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's horrible when we have a hope that's not fulfilled. But this is what I, what I believe about hope. Because right at the start of that verse of, of five, it says we have this eternal hope and hope will not be put to shame. And so I'm picturing this that one day when I stand before Jesus and he judges me and he says, Zeke, you're right because... You believed in who I said I was and you followed me and well done and welcome friend. And I believe that all my hopes, everything, all my hopes will be fulfilled in that moment. And that's eternal. You can't put a time limit on that. That's going to happen one day. I believe it. It's in scripture that our hopes will not be put to shame. And so I want to encourage you to know that you're a person of hope. And it's not just hope in like what will happen next week. It's hope, eternal hope. We're a people of eternal hope. Guys, I want to encourage you because hope is, it, it produces joy and joy-filled hope is just what the world needs. It's what we need in our communities and beyond. And so we're going to worship together. I want to invite you to stand or maybe you need to kneel as I was praying and preparing, I believe people, God's doing various things in, in, our, in people's lives, listening, and that's cool. Let the Holy Spirit come and minister to you.
We're going we're gonna to worship Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers. 